as mentioned in the announcements and in the video that uh, we are launching our Plus One campaign. So all across the service sites, the various pastors will be speaking on evangelism and today. And 2023 is a year where we really sense God drawing us back as a church uh, in reaching the laws. And late last year when the pastors met, we were talking about the health of the church. So we were looking at the different um, ministries and departments, realized that our cell groups, they are growing, they are strong. We realized that the teaching ministry is strong, the prophetic is strong, the youth ministry, the children's church is strong. But we were honest with ourselves when we looked at certain stats and we, and we came to the conclusion that uh, probably we can raise the ante uh, in a church in regards to personal evangelism, all right? Because evangelism was never meant to be complex. It's not the work of a few chosen ones or an event confined to a few special days in a year. It has to do with a lifestyle. And as mentioned, we are launching it this weekend. And I want to make a statement and to say that I'm not an evangelist, okay? So this is me stepping out of my comfort zone because when I was asked to share today, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to expound on evangelism. I realized that I'm not going to do a teaching. But I want to share with you... Um, the journey that the Lord has led me to um, for the past few years, because that's the beauty of it, because we don't need to hold the office of an evangelist to do what God has command us, commanded us to do, amen? And not just staying in our seats and being uh, impacted by the message, but I believe that in the limited time we have today, God will speak to you that will seal something in your heart and enable you to do what God has called you to do. And I used to fear evangelism. To me, it was difficult. It was terrifying. You know, Charles Spurgeon said this phrase. He said, evangelism is an irksome task. The full quote is, we must school and train ourselves to deal personally with the unconverted. We must not excuse ourselves, but force ourselves to the irksome task until it becomes easy. Even the prince of preachers, Charles Spurgeon, admitted that evangelism was tough. And I was someone who did not evangelize for years, but then something happened in my heart. And right now, I'm, if I can say so, enjoying this journey of faith. And right now, I'm not driven just by a need, but driven because I understand the heart of God. And there are many occasions where I struggle, yet there's a joyous development that occurred in my mind and in my heart. And today I'm not sharing out of a place of expertise, but out of a work done by the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And I think in our heart of hearts, all of us here today, doesn't matter what background you're from, doesn't matter how mature you are in a faith, whether you're new in a faith or you've been a Christian for a long time, uh, we all long to be contagious Christians, amen? We all want to make a difference in the lives of others. And though we are unsure on how to do this, deep down in our heart, we know that there isn't anything as rewarding as leading someone to Christ. Amen? And maybe some of you, you grew up under preachers who perhaps overemphasize the consequences of not evangelizing and maybe establish unrealistic expectations. And, now, and then you feel, how come they don't seem to understand why witnessing to strangers on the street is so difficult for us? And they remark questions like, hey, don't you really care about people? They're going to hell, eh? Why are you not doing anything? And you're like, oh, this burden, okay. And, um, I'm, and six years ago, um, I think six or seven years ago, Ben Fitzgerald came to Singapore. And at that point in time, I didn't know who he was. I've not heard his messages. Uh, but he came to Singapore and I was tasked by Pastor Yang to bring him from Oden Katong all the way to his house. 
very near. Uh, it's about 20 minutes by car. So I decided I'm going to get a grab, okay? But both those of you who know Ben Fitzgerald ministry, you know where this is leading to. So as I booked the grab, uh, he began to stop for one person to this person on the street, just talking, telling them about Jesus, telling them about Jesus. And I, just, I stand, oh, what is this guy doing? And the, and the grab driver is already there. And then he, we waited for a while, and then he shouted at us, oh, yeah, so long that he drove off. I thought, oh, it's okay. Let me book another grab, okay? So another grab come, and then uh, he stopped for this person, he stopped for this person. Then I text Pastor Yang, Pastor Yang, I think we'll be late. Then Pastor Yang reply, I know it. Because <laughs> he knew how Ben Fitzgerald was. And then Ben Fitzgerald looked at me and like, oh, why are you not doing anything? Don't you care about these people? They are perishing. And I'm like, I care, but I'm scared. <laughs> And I want us to go through this journey together because I have no intentions of loading another burden on your back this morning. But let me say this, authentic evangelism that is real is never motivated by guilt, but by correct motives, okay? Evangelism that is real is part of a transformed and renewed mindset. And the early church in the book of Acts was really vibrant. These early Christians were learning from the apostles' doctrine. They were benefiting from their fellowship with one another to the breaking of bread. The scripture says they're going house to house, breaking of bread, having prayer meetings. And I want us to see the Acts chapter 2, verse 47. It says, And the Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved. So while these early believers were hearing and sharing and worshipping and fellowshipping, they were not doing so at the expense of evangelism. They did not have campaigns or classes or training uh, on evangelism because salvation, worship and evangelism, they came together. They went together. It was a natural response to them after being saved. Amen? And the Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to communicate to lost people those who don't know the good news. And because we have this good news, we cannot keep it to ourselves. And I want to mention this concept, the stockpile factor. If you have your Bibles, can we turn to 2 Kings chapter 6? And we have a story of the siege of Samaria by the king of Aram. And because of this siege, uh, there was a great famine on the land. The city experienced a chronic shortage of food, so severe that the scripture says that it drove the people to cannibalism, right? And to survive, the moms literally ate their own children. Serious, I'm not making this up, okay? You can read this amazing story from verse 24 onwards. And there were four lepers in the city that was doomed to die with the rest. And these four men decided on a desperate plan. They said, we are going to surrender ourselves to the camp of the Arameans. They are the enemy. And you can read this in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 4. The four lepers said, if they spare us, we live. If not, we die. So they went to the camp of the Arameans, and to their surprise, they found the camp deserted. And what had happened was God had created confusion and made the enemy to hear the sound of a great army. So the enemy, they were terrified. They fled for their lives, leaving everything in the camp behind. And the lepers were just beside themselves. They were so happy. They feasted. They looted. They filled their arms with treasures of gold and silver, and they hid their plunder, and, but their frantic hoarding was cut short because in 2 Kings 7, verse 9, the Bible tells us that they were so convicted so they will begin to report this good news to the royal palace because they were saying, according to scriptures, what we are doing is not right. This is a day of good news and we are keeping it to ourselves. And, and as they did, the entire city was saved and enjoyed the abundance of provision. And the question is, why did the lepers share the secret of the abandoned camp? Because they were overwhelmed by their good fortune, amen? 
and they knew it was wrong to keep the incredible provision of God's blessing all to themselves. And it's called the stockpile factor. When we as Christians realize that what Jesus has done for us, the power of the blood of the Lamb, the power of the cross, and we know where we have come from, we know how God has saved us, we know we need to share this good news. It's too good to keep to ourselves, amen? Because you have tasted and seen the goodness of God. And when believers become awed by the greatness and the glory of God and by the privilege of becoming His children, that's when they become effective witnesses. And the only question is, why aren't more believers motivated by this stockpile factor? And what's the reason for that? And I think it's because the enemy does everything in his power to make us lose sight of who we are, what God has done for us, and our inheritance in Christ. Because he knows if he can do that, if he can blind us, he can render us ineffective as witnesses. Amen? And we have what the world wants. I want to say this to you. You have what the world wants. You know, a waiter or waitress, they will not choose which table to serve, okay? A waitress does not stop serving a table because the, the occupants are very atas, very rich, or very prominent because she knows that she has what they need. And we have what the world wants, that every human being needs a saviour and they don't want to perish. Amen? You know, for... Um, Four years ago, four to five years ago, when Pastor Lee was sharing in a staff meeting on how he shared the good news with someone in his car because he was doing grab hitch. He did grab hitch so that he can have opportunity to share with someone because they're in the car, they cannot escape. Right? He's like, die, die or not, I will share this to you. In the next 20 minutes, you are listening to this message. Okay? So I was at the staff meeting, I was smiling to myself. I said, wow, this is so good, praise the Lord. And then the Holy Spirit asked me, he said, when was the last time you did that? I was so bold. I was like, wow. Christmas evangelistic service, O Lord. And the Holy Spirit replied back, no, 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 Pastor Yang did the hard work. You just let the person through the sickness prayer with that guy, that does not count. And I was stunned. And he asked me another question, have you been making disciples? And I realized it has been years since I personally led anyone to Christ. And I have been working in church for a couple, a number of years. And I realized that all my close friends are believers. I've done outreaches in cell group, in the zone level, but I have not personally shared the good news to an individual and led someone to Christ for very long. And salvation call at the service does not count. Because I have become so good at inviting someone to an institution that I have forgotten how to become a personal witness. And I felt the conviction of the Lord. I knew I needed to do something about this. And everyone here knows the Great Commission. What is it? It says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for years I realized I have been concentrating on teaching my cell members, but it is incomplete. It's just the thing, okay? I wait for people to evangelize and bring the lost in, and then I teach them the Bible because I enjoy teaching the Bible. This is my comfort zone. I'm so comfortable in teaching doctrine, but I've never brought anyone to Christ for a long time. And discipleship is incomplete if winning souls is not a priority. Amen? Not just inviting them to an outreach, but personally sharing your testimony or the gospel to them. And I'm not the go-to-the-street, streety kind of guy. It does not come naturally to me. You can ask my close friends. This is not me. But I decided to make a change in my lifestyle. And that's why I, I agreed to share today because I know there might be a few of you, perhaps you are called to be an evangelist, okay? But majority of you, you are like me, okay? We don't feel the call to this office, but we can still do something. 
And every time when I open the scriptures, it, it reminds me of the love of Christ and I'm reminded how much I've been set free and something clicks, something clicks inside my heart and I know I cannot take the bad seat any longer. And as you've seen uh, from the video by Pastor Lip just now, we are introducing this initiative and we're going to share at least three simple strategies um, for us to, to uh, adhere to. First is pray, care, and share, okay? And step one, pray, is to pray for five persons in your circle of relationships who does not know Jesus. Second, caring. Third, sharing. I want to start with praying, okay? I once asked Pastor Lynette recently, how many people are there in our cell groups? Not just in our church, okay? Because so many people visit our church, lah, but how many people are covenantal, committed members in our cell groups? She said about 3,000. Let me just share this with you. If 3,000 cell members every day pray for five people on your list, family members or relatives or colleagues, five people on your list who does not know Christ, 3,000 times five is 15,000. Can you imagine every day 15,000 names of lost souls being brought up to the courts of heaven? Can you imagine what happens in our atmosphere? Do you think things will change? Do you think our church will change? Do you think the hearts of our people will change? 15,000 names being brought up to the courts of heaven. Can we do that? I'm not asking much. No, no initially, J. John told us 10 people. And I was discussing with our team. I think, oh, look at the face of our people. Five, la, five. <laughs> I need to go down to five. But okay, la. five people. Can we do that? Next is caring, okay? Part of the gospel is about doing good works. Because the book of James says faith and works go together. The book of James says that if a person does not have faith and works, he's like a man who looks at the mirror, looks at the mirror, walks away, he forgets what he looks like. So we need both, amen. And the first and second century early church, they were known for their hospitality. You know what's biblical hospitality? It does not mean that you become like a martyr steward. Nice flowers, nice cookies, decor nice. No, no. Biblical hospitality is very different. It means opening your hearts, your arms, your homes to those who need grace and mercy. And they were so strong in this that their numbers increased. You know, Emperor Julian in those days was so angry because he saw that the Christians were increasing in numbers and he wants to put a stop to this. But he don't understand why. He said, wow. And he began to write a letter to his constituents and he said, it is a scandal that is not a single Jew who is a beggar and that the godless Galileans, which is the Christians, care not only for their own poor, but for ours as well. While those who belong to us look in vain for the help that we should render them. And this emperor is saying that we should care for our people, but we are not. But the Christians which we hate are caring for us, for our people. And that's why the numbers are growing. And Emperor Julian, he's the one who admitted it. Amen? So we must care. Lastly, sharing, okay? If there's one phrase that I want us to remember at the end of this sharing, even if you forget anything else, I want you to remember 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. And it says to do the work of an evangelist. And this phrase gives me hope. Because Paul is writing to Timothy, and he knows Timothy is not an evangelist. He said, Timothy, I know you're busy. I know you need to shepherd your flock. You need to prevent the wolves from coming in. You need to study doctrine. You need to prep for Sunday service. You need to do all this, okay? But at the end of the day, do not forget to do the work of an evangelist. You may not be one, 
but do not forget this is what God has called us to do. Because we are all called to different things and in the busyness of life, we cannot forget this precious command to do the work of an evangelist. And I'm going to share a few transparent stories today and even though people do get impressed by stories of bravery and success, but I hope people do get provoked and encouraged by stories of failure and redemption. And at the end, I want to share with you some micro ways we can be a light to our workplace or a place of influence. And there are four keys which has led me in this journey so far. And the first key is raise the temperature of intentionality. What do I mean by this is we need to be intentional about this. This will never be a lifestyle if we just wait for open doors, okay? This will never happen if we just wait for the open heavens to come or we hear a voice from heaven that says, speak to this person. It needs to be a habit in our own lives and it does not happen by chance. We can't just wait for a sermon or sharing about this topic and just pray to God to help us and then we sit around and wait for people to come to us because good intentions are not good enough. And I think in my life I have about two prophets who have laid hands on me and they gave me this word on reaching the lost and and the prophetic, okay. And the last person who did this was Clean Glenny. It was years ago. Some of you might remember him. He laid hands on me and prophesied that I'll be using this new gift to reach out to people. And I was so excited, okay. But the, for the next two years, I did not see any change in my life. There was no work of the ministry. I, I did not reach out to anyone. And I'm serious, okay. And why? Because I did not do anything about it. Because I was sitting around and I thought after I received the word, something magical will happen. I thought that immediately when I look at someone, I will feel so tender-hearted or the person's life story will appear before my eyes. I said, aha, but nothing happened. So for two years, I did nothing. Because I thought after I received the word, I will receive something supernatural in my heart and my mind. But it did not happen. So I wasted years. And, but one day, I was in a staff meeting like I mentioned, and Pastor Lip testified how he took the grab hitch and how he shared the gospel with one person. And something clicked within me. I said, that's it. I, I, I said, Lord, I just want to obey your commandment, your great commission. Let me win at least one soul to the Lord. And that started me on my journey. And it does not matter if you are an introvert or if you are shy, because God has a love and it should possess us, amen. He has a personality, and it should possess us. And when Jesus was moved by compassion, it was not just a feeling he had, but an understanding and a conviction of what those people meant to his Father. Let's let God's love invade and touch your personality. The second key is the only failure in witnessing is the failure to witness. What does that mean? It means don't be afraid of making mistakes. If you want to grow in this, let me tell you that this is a lifestyle of risk and mistakes because we don't owe the world a debt of accuracy. We owe the world a debt of love. Amen. And this is in regards to using words of knowledge in your evangelism. And I make so many mistakes before. Okay? There will always be some form of awkwardness before sharing, but you need the Holy Spirit, especially if you feel nervous. Amen? God wants interdependence from us, not self-reliance. He puts us in a place of risk-taking so that we will connect to and feel connected and stay connected to Him. And sometimes or most of the time, the initial impression or name or the word will come first. Then when we obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit, the rest will follow because the goal is not accuracy, the goal is love. When love comes through truth, conversion happens. And sometimes we just need to take the first step of obedience. I remember this story. This is one of the most precious stories I have. I will keep recounting this story every year. But 
This happened a few years ago. And I just came back from a cell group. I was so, the cell group was talking about evangelism. I was so excited. I said, God, I'm going to do this for you. And I went to a grab and I said, Lord, right now I'm going to minister to this grab driver. And he's from a different faith and different intention, uh, nationality. And then I said, God, give me a word of knowledge. Nothing, no. I said, God, give me something. La. I mean, like something exciting and sexy. La. Like nothing happened. And then um, God just said, tell him that Jesus loves him. I said, wow, that's not Jeff Yen kind of power. And I was like, I said, God, give me something exciting. He said, oh no, just tell him Jesus loves you. And I'm like, oh, okay. But I, I, I didn't want to obey that. So I like tried to give different words of knowledge. I said, oh, I think your parents... Say no, nothing, nothing. I think something, something, nothing, nothing. I like wow, chui. Oh. But then I decided to obey. I said to him, Jesus loves you. He started to tremble violently in a car. No, then I was so scared that that I go to heaven. Him. So I said, you I said, cannot I cannot. I said you. Then I asked him to park uh, at one spot. And I said, I just want to say that Jesus loves you. Okay. And he started to cry and cry. He said, this is my story. Okay. He said, um, last month, someone already told me about Jesus. And I want to believe because I felt my heart strangely warm. I want to believe. But my family is in a very bad state because I've like, gambled all my family monies away and we have nothing. And, and my, my own spouse and my kids, they hate me. And I, I want to accept this Jesus. I want to love this Jesus. But how can this Jesus accept me when my own family don't like me? So I keep praying, if you are real, speak to me. And then you, this Chinese boy, come in my cap and say, Jesus loves you. And let me share this with you because sometimes you never know um, what part of the spectrum the person is. Sometimes they might be very low. They just need a few conversations to lead them. But sometimes they might be a number nine. You just need to say Jesus loves you and they go to the finish line. Some people plant, some people water, but God is the one who converts hearts. Amen? It doesn't matter whether you make mistakes, just be obedient. And then to, up to this day, okay, this is the easiest com, uh, conversion story I ever had. Okay, It's the easiest because I didn't need to do much. Everything I say, all wrong. That Jesus loves you and he... Because he was already there and God knew it. And he was saved right there and then. Amen? You guys doing okay? Amen. Next, the key conversations, not presentations. Whether we are extroverts or introverts, we love having good conversations with friends. Amen? I want to suggest something that um, if I can pr- get you to process this with me. What if we spend less time giving people scripted evangelistic presentations and simply learn to introduce Jesus into the normal conversations that we already have? What if talking about Jesus is not stressful but become as normal as talking about the things that we love and enjoy? And let me just give you an example, okay? Um, this happened while I was in reservist just before COVID. And this is quite precious to me because I always thought that in reservist or in army, I do not have the same interest as my, as my army mates, so I cannot talk to them. This was my mindset, okay? And they would go drinking, they would talk bad things about their spouse and their exploits in the world, which I will not mention. And uh, so for, for two years, I thought that I was a light of the world because I'm so different from them. And one day the Lord convicted me. He said, <laughs> he say, um, you have not been a light of the world because you just avoided them. <laughs> I thought, oh, this, this is holy man. Oh. But he said, no, you never do anything. You just avoid them. 
you happy? Ah? <laughs> so I, so I, I asked the Lord, Lord, give me one more chance because this is my last year in reservist before I MR. Okay. And let me tell you this, once you tell the Lord to give you an opportunity, He will, okay? I promise you He will. And I, we were in an outfield. We were, um, and then I was stuck. Um, it was raining and I was under, uh, like we, we found shelter under a tree and then this guy was just beside me. And I felt as if the Lord said, nah, like, this is the best I can do. <laughs> That's your, it's not, now it's your chance. I knew that he could go nowhere because it was raining and I shared that I'm working in church. I shared that um, like, like, on my faith. And he said, oh no, I know, I know about, I know about Jesus. Um, my wife used to be a Christian but she was terribly hurt by a church. Then she, they like to say these things. Like whenever they don't want to be Christian, they like to say, oh, you guys are hypocrites. I don't know they learn from where. You guys are hypocrites. You know? and then I, but I really felt um, the love of God at that moment. And, um, and suddenly God impressed something in my heart because my friends started to say, but you look very different compared to last time. Something has changed in you. And I shared the difference between um, joy and happiness. And I said to him that um, even pre-believers, you have good things coming to your life. You may call it blessings, material wealth. Yeah, you have good things. But there's something unique that we possess that other people don't. There's joy. Because happiness can be stolen from you in an instant. But joy can never be stolen because we find root and shalom in the person and work of Christ. And I shared the journey that me and my family went through, the sickness we went through, the family issues we had, but we shared how God brought us together to a place of fulfillment. And I saw his face soften, and I felt really like a glimpse of the love of Christ that touched his heart. And I really feel that during that situation, I was not unnerved, okay? I was totally at ease, you know why? Because it was not a presentation. It was just a simple conversation. And this takes the pressure of you learning a presentation that you must recite with precision. And Tim Chester said this, that we need ordinary people doing ordinary things with gospel intentionality. What if you see every conversation as a ministry opportunity? Amen? And let me say this, you don't have to lead someone to Christ at the first conversation. Or rather, don't be discouraged if you don't, okay? Because most of the time, conversion happens through a series of conversations over a period of time. Amen? You guys doing okay? Okay, two simple points from this principle. First, ask good questions. Asking good questions can help transition a conversation to the gospel. Questions that open up a person to talk about things that matter. For example, what is your faith background? Do you believe that you have a purpose in life? And second, I want to say, um, speak... Oh, no time. Give me a few more minutes. Huh? Speak to the person's heart and mind. Okay? And sometimes their questions or their anger or their doubts are not the main issues. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And don't be so stressed if you cannot answer their theological questions. You know, the Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. It's not the fool saying in his mind. Because most of the time, it's a heart issue. It's not just a, a philosophical or theological issue. Amen? It's a heart issue. And I, I'm just reminded of a story that last month, I brought my meme, uh, she's a two-year-old, my daughter, um, I usually bring her to the playground and I'll push her in the red car to the playground. And, and when we were at the playground, we saw this mom with this girl. And this girl is about the same size as Mei And I knew that um, this girl had autism okay, because of the mannerism and everything. And this girl was holding a lot of snacks. Okay? And my girl just... 
just, she liked to eat, lah. She, she would just take, take the snacks and everything. I said, no, no, stop, stop. But the mom was so friendly and gracious. I said, it's okay, just give her, it's okay. Um, at that point in time, I felt the immense compassion and love from God, okay. I knew it was not from me because I very tired. Uh. Usually, I want to go through the routine, send the kids to the playground and go home. Uh, but at that point, uh, I really know strength, but I felt this immense compassion that is divine, that is from God, that's not from me. And I say, God, this is the moment. I feel your compassion, right? Give me a word of knowledge. And once again, I felt the Lord say, tell her Jesus loves her. I say, ah, Give me a bit more of like the Jeff Yen thingy, eh? Like, like, tell me some words of knowledge, but nothing. And I, and once again, I, I felt the Lord say, tell her that Jesus loves her and her girl. So I said, I just want to share with you that I'm a believer. I want to say that Jesus loves you. And her face changed, you know. You know, the previous story, the person trembled. This one almost trembled, but this one angry. The person was very angry. She said, hey, of all the religion, uh, Christianities are the ones who always tell people that God is the God of love. No other faith does that, only Christians. And she said, I don't believe it because if your God is a God of love, why did he make my daughter like this? And at that point in time, I'm like, oh, I went through this course, apologetics course. <laughs> this is the way to go. I began to frame my answer about um, the fallen nature of man, the brokenness of the world, the God's redemptive power. Like, lie But at that point of time, okay, I received a word, a glimpse of a word. Okay? It was not even very sharp or very accurate, just a glimpse of the word. And I felt the love of God. And I said, I'm so sorry you went through this. I want you to know that God has been in your life every single moment. Okay? And he's close to the brokenhearted. And I began to share something about her sibling. I said, God was there when your sibling went through this sickness and she was healed. It was because God was there. And she started crying and crying because God knew the secrets of her heart. Anyway, if I had attacked her head on theologically, I would have lost everything. Okay? But God knew her heart and I obeyed. I did not lead her to Christ, but... I prayed for her and her daughter. She agreed to allow me to do that. And I said, God, at the end of the day, we are all here because God created us and God has a plan for us. And I shared a bit of the love for Christ. And um, I just want you to know that um, conviction, which is what we believe on who God is, and compassion, they are not antithetical. How do you pronounce antithetical? My English is not very good. To each other, okay? It's not one or the other, okay? But conviction with compassion is actually appealing even to the antagonist. You know what you believe in, but you share with, with the compassion of Christ. It will break down the walls of hostility. Speak to their hearts, not just their minds. Amen? And as you read the book of Acts, you can find that only a few were called to preach to crowds. The rest were just exhorted to preach to one person, to one person, to one person. Amen? And the fourth key is the power of personal testimony. Um, even if you don't have any words of knowledge or prophetic word, your story itself is powerful. You know, in a court of law, you have witnesses, you have a witness and you have a lawyer. And the witness gets up and says, okay, let me just tell you what I know. Okay? And that's how they do it. They tell you uh, what they know, what they go through, what they saw, what they hear, what they have experienced. And now a lawyer gets up and presents the fact in a very convincing manner to get the jury to make a decision. And I 
feel to me like J. John and Pastor Andrew and maybe John Nick um, is what I call an evangelist. Okay? So they take the facts of Christianity like an apologist and they present them like a lawyer in such a way as to make the jury come to a decision. And not everyone here is a lawyer, but everyone, not everyone here is an evangelist or an apologist, but everyone of us here, we are a witness. Amen. We have our story. And people can discount your religion, but they can never discount your personal testimony. Because you have tasted and seen the goodness of God. And I know you might be nervous, but here's the thing. Is the message important enough for just a little awkwardness? Amen? I've come to the end. Uh, lastly, I'll talk about the practical aspects of evangelism, or if I can say so, the micro view of evangelism. And first I want to share with you faithful presence. Okay, And here's a story of a new convert to Christ coming to Martin Luther, who is the father of the Great Reformation. And he comes to him and says, I have just become a Christian. How am I to faithfully serve the Lord? And Luther asked him, what do you do? He said, I'm a cobbler. I make shoes. In which Luther replied, then make a great shoe and sell it at a fair price faithful presence for all your evangelism and your hospitality and your words of knowledge it vanishes the second you are a bum at work amen you are the guy that probably don't finish your projects you don't turn up turn in things on time because of you you sabo your friends to ot you're always late ah. and then you give all your hospitality and your words of knowledge ah. it vanishes because you are lazy and we need to have faithful presence amen Finally, finally, I want to say, I shared this a few weeks ago about different motivations for obedience and that's one of the most precious sermons I've ever shared this year, which is the love of Christ compels us. There might be different motivations on why you do what you do. Okay? I could call it secondary motivation. But eventually, we struggle, we wrestle to come to this place that the love of Christ compel us. And you know, even in the stockpile factor, the first story in first, Second Kings that I mentioned to you about, the lepers, they informed the royal palace because they were overwhelmed by their goodness, right? But the scripture also says that they were motivated by fear. They said, oh, if we don't share this, we'll get into trouble. But I want to say, let's not be motivated by guilt, but by love. And if you feel afraid to evangelize and witness, don't pray for less fear, but pray for more love. Because scripture says, perfect love casts out fear. Ask to be transformed in your mind and for you to encounter the love of God. You know, I shared this many times that um, Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the church in Ephesus, I paraphrase that. He's saying that I give you so many sermons, so many teachings, your foundations are there. But at the end of the day, I come to a place where I know that I need to get down on my knees and pray for all of you. That you will finally understand the length, the depth, the width of the surpassing love of God. No matter how many sermons have been preached, it is a divine work for the Lord to put this in your heart, to know the love of Christ. Because the love of Christ compels us to do it. Amen? And I'm sharing with you this journey, not as someone who is coming to a place of expertise, but I've struggled, and yet he changed my heart. So as we come to the end, okay, there's no auto call today, but just remember, pray, care, and share. Can we make a list of five people that we can pray for? Can you imagine 15,000 names go to heaven? You think that would, nothing will change, man? Sorry, yeah. Uh. 
Let's think about it. 15,000 names, give it to the courts of heaven. Something will happen in our hearts and in the spiritual atmosphere, amen? And we want to equip you, okay? I have two slides. We want to equip you. And first is, um, I don't even know what's. First is, the, this is one of the few times that in the corporate church and the cell, we are going through this entire thing together. So in the month of April to May, all cell groups will be going through this natural evangelism course. Okay, if your cell leader is not doing it, say, hey, the pastor same I do now. So start doing from April to May. And even in the month of May, we have Benny Ho coming to teach via Zoom on um, how to share your faith. Because that church is going missional and we need to go missional as well. Not just to the nations, but to this very place we call home. How to give away your faith. Amen? Just listen to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.